0: This is Russ from uh, ShatterTheDarkness.net. The courses from Theology for the Third Millennium. This is Satanism 101, session number 21. Session number 21. It is entitled, Satanic Masquerade, subtitle, and the need for discernment. Now just thinking about Satanic Masquerade is going to lead to that sense of need uh, for discernment if Satan can do what we're going to show the Word of God uh, unveils, then uh, we really are going to need supernatural uh, discernment to cut in to all of what he uh, is doing uh, around our lives and uh, in the lives of our communities, churches, nation, and the world that we're living in. If you have your notes, page 37. And don't be surprised that as you take this course and as you've been studying that you find you know more warfare coming, you know, at you. Uh, more things occurring to try to stop you. I am absolutely convinced Satan doesn't want you to know his methods and what he does and how he works against you. He doesn't want you to know these things, let alone know the fact that you have spiritual authority that you can be living in the manifest power, the mighty strength and power of God. When you have the armor of God on. So Satan doesn't want you to know what God has for you. And he surely doesn't want you to know what he's doing. Like a snake slithering in the grass. uh, Well, actually far, far, far more than that. We have the presence of Satan. His uh, tactics, the methodology, the strategy. And what he's been doing. I mean, just in Genesis chapter 3 alone... He lied. He knew how to create doubt. In other words, to dislodge trust. He knew how to speak to try and attempt to mar the character of God. And he used uh, what may be some kind of a level of spiritual, um, well, just a tantalizing that caused uh, literally within Eve. A sense of uh, desire for what it was Satan was promising. She looked at it. it was pleasing. there was an emotional drawing. The temptation involved uh, a, a sense of uh, you know possibly presence, a feeling, a satanic well, you can call it energy, like the New Agers do. And I've seen this again and again with the satanic presence. Many times I've walked into a room and you can feel the presence of the enemy or in a demonized person you can feel before even engaging. Now, when I was taken to Salem, Massachusetts, and uh, was taken there to look and, and, and see a number of places, certain places you can feel it in the air, you can sense um and the demonic knows you as a believer, as we've already said. And so when you have the demonic presence coming near or trying to do something uh, to affect you, and a lot of times in deliverance, you'll feel demonic presence or power coming towards you uh, to thrust in some involuntary feelings, thoughts, fear. I believe it's like they can send a wave, a sense, uh, an abnormal sense of fear or lust or desire or want. That's what those arrows in Ephesians 6 are all about. Uh, We're told to lift up the shield of faith. What does that mean? That means to plunge your faith in Christ and in the Word of God explicitly so that it can have its effect in you. In the book 2nd chapter of 1 Thessalonians, we're told that the Word of God is at work, supernaturally operative in them that believe. So when you believe, it's like the window's open for the word of God and its power to unleash itself within you. Now, when there is satanic oppression or attack, there there can be a sense of a cloud around you, a sense of a wave of thoughts and anxieties and feelings and agitation. Paul felt this in the book of Acts when he dealt with the girl that was predicting the future. She was literally being uh, spiritually prostituted out by the people. And he was agitated. There was an agitation. I know exactly what that is. The sense of agitation. When the presence of the demonic is manifest and somewhat coming uh, towards you, it is unholy. Uh, It is uh, the opposite of the work of the Holy Spirit, the feeling and presence. You're dealing with the enemy... Of God, you're dealing with the enemy of your soul, your life. You're dealing with sheer ancient hatred, and um, and uh, a force that seeks uh, your demise. So when we talk about satanic masquerade, whether we're dealing with satanic dabblers, psycho satanists, uh, satanic elitists, traditional satanists, popular satanists, whatever, whatever ones you want to talk about, you're going to find that masquerade is involved and the masquerade includes satan masquerading them if they think that they have gotten powers if they think that they have uh, been given the secrets of satan they they don't realize that satan has led them out by the nose into a field where he has shown them mirage he has shown them lies that's all he ever does we see it as he seeks to bring seduction to uh, uh, Eve herself, we see it when he confronts Jesus in Matthew 4, and he shows him, how did, how did Satan do this? Listen, check it out in Matthew 4. How did Satan show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world? Some kind of vision, spiritual vision? What, 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 was, what was included there? and that he said that he would give it all to Jesus, if Jesus would bow down. Now obviously Jesus is coming to be the King of kings, Lord of lords, and to rule all the nations, prophesied in Psalm 2, 3,000 years ago, let alone all through the Old and into the book of Revelation. Well, the masquerade, the disguising, and the transforming of himself is what he is all about. He cannot speak the truth. Cannot. Cannot. It's not in him. His nature, genetically, spiritually, whatever you want to call it, is utterly, totally changed. Jesus said that there is no truth in him. Nothing of what God created, nothing of the truth dwells within him. So, when he speaks, Jesus said he speaks his native language, lies. That's all he can do. He cannot, and this is very important for you and I, no matter what he does, he only speaks the lies. That's his nature. He never tells his people the truth, whether it's in satanic meetings Uh, voice to skull in the sense of Satan speaking into heads. The demons are the same. Their nature is the same. They speak lies, present lies, give visions with lies, give dreams with lies, uh, gives a spiritual sense, a critical mass of feeling, lies, uh, tantalizes people, lies. So when we look into this, we need to know that running through the thread of all occultism, Satanism, Luciferianism, new age, the entire millions upon millions that are involved in the new age, that there is a massive, massive supra natural masquerade and disguising going on now, if you turn to second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse fourteen, let me read it quickly, verse fourteen, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then, if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. Now that's in reference again to the servants of Satan who try to act like you know, believers, righteous you know, believers, preachers, whatever, when they're masquerading this is, this is highly involved in the infiltration. In the process of satanic infiltration into the church, there's clearly uh, masquerading that goes on. And uh, any way that he can sneak in, get in, work in, his lie, his presence. And let me tell you something. You're going to need to think about this. Demonic presence gets into the church all the time. Think of a church. It doesn't make any difference whether it's a house church of fifty people or a you know a massive big church of ten thousand members. If an individual, because the church doors are open, and uh, the church shouldn't be afraid of this either. If we know our power, our authority, and what we're all about, Jesus said, "I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail." Right. So there's no need to fear. No need to stand at the door, you know, with uh, monitors or something. But we do have to have a sense of Holy Spirit monitoring within our churches more than ever today. Because not only do people who have demonic attachment, they're demonized, de- they're demonized in some level. Ananias and Sapphira walked in and uh, Satan was literally piggybacking or literally got into them. And nobody else saw this. The same is true of Judas when he went to uh, you know uh, tell on Jesus and betray Him. The high the, the 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 Jewish priests there they didn't say oh you got a de- you got Satan's dwelling in you they didn't know it Satan got in and he he went in uh, stealth submerged into the personality the willing personality of Judas well that occurs uh, him coming in stealthwise the same is demonstrated with the Ananias and Sapphira and the only way you can never detect his stealth methods. By physical observation, you can check his stealth methods only by Holy Spirit discernment only by God breaking in to show and that 's very important for us in our um, in our well in our in our battling in our, our defense and offense uh, in, in doing the mission and being the body with the massive ramping up and the uh, coming of unprecedented more and more of this we need to really understand this principle no matter who you're dealing with if you get involved in evangelism like we do in shatter the whole point is taking the gospel to those in the new age satanism pagan you know just whatever you know deeply entrenched in supra natural doctrines do- demonic doctrines and uh, powers and so forth. You're going to find the masquerading continues to go on. So again, 2 Corinthians 11, 14, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Now that's a great revelation for us. And we need to look into that. For Satan himself masquerades. He masquerades. This means he has the ability to transform himself. To change himself. Now, I'm going to give you a few things. Some translations say masquerading. Others will say disguising. Uh, Some will use the word that he transforms himself. Transforms himself. Uh, The word is metaskamizo. And this is an incredible word. Uh, Metacamadzo uh, is literally meta is literally uh, it means to transfigure yourself for the purpose of a disguise. Uh, the simplicity would be somebody with a mask, somebody that had uh you know cosmetic surgery to completely alter who they, what they look like so think in terms of a mask somebody showed up your door, knocking the door they got a hood on a mask on. Uh, with a smiley face. Now, you're not going to want to let them in. People can disguise themselves. Uh, there was a movie out that my daughter wanted to go to, The Master of Disguise. Um, and it was a pretty hilarious movie about an individual that was a, you know, a master of disguise and would change uh, what he looks like going all kinds of places. Uh, pretty, pretty funny. But this is not this is not when we deal with this particular um biblical word we're dealing with the ability to for an, for a well to change the figure of or to transform those are some of the definitions and when you get these definitions this is amazing it's absolutely amazing when you think in terms of satan can masquerade himself and make himself like an angel of light. He could make himself appear as the sweetest, um, righteous, uh, God-oriented, supernatural, intelligent being. This word is a word that the ufology, the entire community needs to understand when it comes to the so-called issue of aliens and abductions and what's going on there the United States government and other military governments that have bought into uh, occult practices, including NASA, as Richard Hoagland has uh, outlined in his new book, Dark Mission. There's a lot of masquerading. Alistair Crowley, John Dee, you look into all all of the occultists, you're going to find masquerading, disguising, transforming. What those occultists, the elitists, I mean the deep-oriented, real Luciferian elitists, no matter how close they think they are to Satan, no matter how much they feel Satan has manifested himself, given them powers, shown them things, given them visions and dreams and supernatural experiences, no matter what has occurred, they have never, ever been given the truth by him. He cannot do it. And that's something you can deal with when you're dealing with any Satanist or richly abused person with sub-personalities that are, that are luciferian loyal. They have never been told the truth. They, Satan in that whole realm cannot do it. The only reason Satan would use a scripture verse is to twist it. He will never put it in its right context and bring it out in its right meaning. He would only use, and this is what we see in all of occultism, all kinds of cults in the occult when they use scripture. It's always done to twist it, to turn its meaning around and use it for a lie and use it for deception and use it for masquerading. So if you understand that he has the physics, the supranatural power, the physics to change himself to. And when he changes himself, it's to masquerade what he really is, to disguise what he really is, to transform himself in such a way to make himself look like it's like morphing the ability. This is true among the demonic realm, and we've seen it again and again and again. When demons, well, we've even had demons speak out of the mouths of people and say, "I am Jesus. I am Jesus." Trying to like he's gonna like they're gonna fake us out that they're really Jesus. They're not, and uh, they lie constantly. So the authority, spiritual discernment. And being strong in your command of demonic presence is absolutely essential. So if you understand this, you understand the whole world of occultism. You're going to understand Revelation 12, when it talks about the ancient dragon, serpent called the devil, Satan, um, how he leads the whole world astray. How does he do this? It's by, listen, you've got to hear this. It's by supernatural powers that 's what's outlined and revealed in 1st or second Thessalonians two you 've got to understand that Jesus knew that Satan had power. Satan showed him all the kingdoms of the world, or a, at least a mirage or a, a vision or something to try to get him to bow down and worship this was a, a this is an example, a revelation biblical revelation of his supernatural power. He can give visions and dreams and appearances and sightings and and feelings, and thoughts, and uh, communications, and all kinds of things. Uh, One of the great books out there, I think, is entitled, you can get on the, for a few bucks now, The Dark Side of the Supernatural. It's a great book to give as an introduction to anybody that's involved with supernatural things. Young believers need to have that book too, but it's called The Dark Side of the Supernatural. And I am... am, uh, I am convinced that one of the first things Jesus, in dealing with the end of days in Matthew 24, the first thing and the majority of what he had to talk about was he was telling them forthrightly, refer to the last days, let no one deceive you. So there is a complete awareness of Jesus on the depth, the extent of the fallen cherub. And his ability to masquerade, to by supernatural physics change himself and uh, and uh, appear and present himself as an angel of light to make himself look like the good guy. And again, without spirit, the Holy Spirit discernment, without God, you know, granting that, that's why so many millions will be, you know, sucked in. There's just simply, all they know is they've had a real experience. They saw a real ghost or they saw a real dead person. It was demonic presence they saw. They just can't discern the difference. I am absolutely convinced that the demonic realm can show up and uh, morph or transform or masquerade or disguise themselves as dead relatives, as, quote, a ghost, as human spirits hanging around looking, you know, at things. So I think that if you're going to deal with uh, the satanic masquerade and uh, and so forth, um, and you're going to be out there um, sharing Christ, please realize that from beginning to end, Satan has this ability to convince fallen humanity and um, lead them. Albert Pike, listen, an extremely educated man. Extremely educated. But if you read Dogmas and Moral or part of it anyway. You'll find out that he's convinced that Lucifer is the light bearer. He's the good guy. If you read the devil's Bible by Father Meridon from the Cathedral of the Black Goat, you're going to find out that he teaches the same thing. You're going to find this in in old Gnosticism. You're going to find this uh, in the New Age movement, David Spangler and all the rest, where the angel of light has been presented to them. Uh, spirituality of light has been presented to them, and it 's a masquerade it 's a disguise, and there is a supranatural transformation that 's now presented and being being accepted. so as we dig into second corinthians eleven fourteen and seeing that revelation. Maybe you have been, had an experience, maybe you know somebody has, where they feel like you know, God spoke to them and told them to go do something. If God spoke or gave a prophecy or gave a word or gave a vision or gave a dream or gave anything supernatural to somebody, but leads them to contradict the Word of God, to disobey the Word of God, to break the Word of God, to break the will of God, then clearly, Listen. It's clear. You don't have to ask any questions. It didn't come from God. Visions, dreams, supernatural presence, you know, whatever. Whatever supernatural... Listen, that's why as Christians, just because it's supernatural doesn't mean that it came from God. And so there is a sense of, for our lives as believers, knowing the living Christ, knowing the Word of God, having the presence of the Holy Spirit... There should be, according to 1 John 2, we have greater Megdala, the one who's in us, than this masquerader in the world. We should have the ability to discern and know the difference. The Word, the Spirit of God, the living Christ, the promise of protection, but also the call to be alert. And we're going to see that in a few moments here. Many times the reasons why Christians get deceived in any way through supernatural workings... Is that they are biblically illiterate, spiritually undisciplined, and willing to just be guided by anything that that strikes them if it's supernatural. Regardless of screening it or doing what God, the Holy Spirit, says in 1 John 4, um, we're supposed to test the spirits to see whether they've come from God. Test the New Age spirit, test the Luciferian spirit. Test the ufologist spirit. Test the supernatural presence behind the supernatural experiences that people are having. What's the source? What has it done for you? Where is it leading you? If it comes from God the Holy Spirit, the source is God, the impact is uh, you know, leading a lost person to Christ or a, a believer to deeper walk with Christ. And uh, the outcome is our walk, and our fellowship, and our enjoyment of knowing uh, Christ better and better. And I think Ephesians chapter 1 will speak to that. Now, the core issue also, and I've already mentioned point 1, Satan himself has supernatural powers, masquerading, discerning, disguising, transforming, changing the figure of himself, and presenting, he's a presenter, he's a poser. He'll present himself as if he is an angel of light, as if he is uh, Christ at times. Thus, the idea of Antichrist, Antichrist. Now, the other side of this is again 2 Thessalonians 2, where it talks about the secret power of uh, lawlessness. There is actually a dunamis. We're told that we receive the dunamis, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is dunamis. Salvation, the experience, dunamis. It's the expressed, felt, active uh, uh, power, supernatural power that affects you as a believer. Well, that word is used on the other side. The power of Satan. His working. But it's also um, connected to the idea in 2 Thessalonians 2... It's connected to the idea of um, uh, supernatural secrecy. Uh, that's the word hidden. Occult uh, is uh, hidden. The concept that it's, uh, again, stealth. That Satan's presence, he needs to do everything he can to stay stealth. Not to be seen or not to be seen for what He really is. And that's important. And so I want you to understand the words that you read throughout uh, the New Testament about deception and seduction. Matthew 24, you know, let no one deceive you. We read the same principles in 1 in, uh, John chapter 2 about what is counterfeit and not being led astray. In the book of First John, the Spirit of God says, I write these things to you because of those who are trying to lead you astray. Demonized individuals, influenced individuals that have demonic doctrines are spiritually propelled, supernaturally propelled to present their supernatural system of spirituality and convince you. They're there to convince you. The Spirit of God writes to us about that, so that we will not be led astray. And in Second Thessalonians chapter two, God literally is bringing a rebuke to that community of believers in Christ because they allowed it. They became unsettled. They became discombobled, if you want to use that word, um, because uh, they allowed themselves by false, counterfeit supernatural prophecies and other things. Uh, to be misled about the second coming and the sequence, and the writer, by the spirit of God, the Word of God has to tell them let again don 't let anybody deceive you. that day will not come until the great revolt, revolt, or rebellion occurs, and the apocalypse of Antichrist occurs first so we 're told again and again and again, uh, even first Peter chapter five or seven eight you know we 're to be self controlled and alert. Uh, because the devil is prowling. And uh, so this masquerading, this appearance of an angel of light, that's why I'm telling you right now, the Antichrist is going to look like the sweetest, nicest, wisest, most spiritually advanced being ever in history. He's going to look very well. It's going to be very hard for people to say, he's evil, when he looks like he's not. But the words that we need to really understand, deception, seduction, subterfuge, this is the work of demonic presence. This is the work that you know, Satan, you know, the demonic brings to us individually in, our, in attacks to get us off base. This is the work of the uh, devil as a whole. This is the work that goes on. I believe with military systems, scientists, with leaders, even government officials, it, this is what goes on in all secret societies a masquerading, a disguising to present itself as the good guy, the angel of light, that has supernatural power behind that disguising. The goal of it, deception, seduction, subterfuge. And uh, ultimately, I mean, that's for those who have bought into it and believe the systems and they get into it I don't care how deep, the deepest Luciferian is utterly deceived, utterly seduced, tantalized by elitist promises, power, money, fame, sex, whatever it may be. That's what's, if you again check into Bohemian Grove, that's what's been going on there for years. So those are words that we need to understand our core issues. It began that way in the fall of the human race. We were fooled on the one hand, but on the other hand, we were given the word of God and what to hold true, a choice between God and His word and between a want-to-be God and His word that came with supernatural power, presence, energy, deception, seduction, subterfuge. And we chose... We chose the wrong thing. And there's always a price to pay. As we've said many times, the source of this comes from a book called Hitler and the New Age, Bob Rosio is the author, that deception always leads to destruction. Always. So let's go to point three on that page 37 in your notes, and we'll take a look at God Sees into the Darkness. Now, this is very important for us to understand this. When I say that God... Don't think that all of a sudden the darkness and hell and all the dark things that are going on, all the evil things that are going on, that God, oh man, God won't even look into it. He won't look upon it. Things like that. Um, Oh, He doesn't look upon sin. No, He sees and knows all the sin issues. He won't uh, fellowship with it. Sin cuts us off from God, obviously. But I want to read you something that by the Spirit of God... And led by the Spirit of God, Daniel, the prophet, in the book of Daniel, writes words. Now remember that God gave this pagan, demon-worshiping king, invaded his mind at night with, with, uh, with dreams and visions. And nobody, no sorcerer, no enchanter, nobody could interpret it or tell him until God gave it to Daniel through an evening of prayer. After it was given, after everything, you know, he's told, the king told, is told, and all the people are saved, you know, uh, well, that's going to happen. But Daniel, after getting the answer and knowing that it came from God, this is in chapter 2 of Daniel, and specifically chapter 2, verse 22. When it says these words, referring to God and the need to break in, it says this, referring to God, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with Him. Well, He's the God, the immortal God, who dwells in unapproachable light. He's the Father of heavenly lights. All good gifts come from Him. Jesus is the light of the world. Now, Satan masquerades as that light. He masquerades trying to present himself to be God or like God. In the good in the good sense, but this is very important. This revelation is a great memory verse to know this. When you're praying about people that might be demonized, when you're dealing with evangelism, with people of the occult, Satanism, so forth, when you're seeing things go on in your church that seem uncanny and bizarre, the stealth nature of Satan, the secretive nature, the coming during the night, like the parable says. Uh, That's when most real ritual workers will do their powers and unleash their powers. In the night, in the darkness, in massive secrecy. I'll show you another one of these in a moment. But in verse 22 it says this, God reveals, He reveals deep and hidden things. So I want to say again, there's nothing in Luciferianism, occultism, nothing out there that can't be looked into. Now it may take prayer, Holy Spirit discernment, uh, Spirit-led research, which you're doing right now. This entire project of Satanism 101 is Spirit-led research, uh, the Word of God being our background. As we look into what's going on, and as I've said before, you can't expose the evil deeds of darkness if you don't know about them. Now, none of this course, or any of the research that we get into, involves our actual participation. We don't know these things by the Greek word gnosis and the idea of experiential knowledge. It's by research. Now, it's experiential in the sense of dealing with demons that speak out of people, and uh, people you know, telling their experience and what occurred to them. I mean, I've heard stories that just, you know, if I had a wig, it would have popped off a thousand times by now. The stories are incredible. The stories are bizarre. The stories are or are are, are are supernatural. I'm convinced in every case of demonization we've ever done, uh, the deception, subterfuge, seductions involved, masquerading is involved. How sometimes Satan is see they see their demons beautiful, translucent, powerful. Love them care for them, guard them, guide them, all that kind of stuff. It's all a lie. It's all a masquerade. Because the moment they begin to back away, those demons can make themselves known. On a remote viewer, we are doing a deliverance, and they could see the spirit and would say to me, it looks like a beautiful, translucent, spiritual being. Well, then I commanded, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command this demon to look like he really does. That's all I said. And they, all of a sudden, the expression on their face went to horror. And they saw the ugly, gnarly looking thing. And uh, when I commanded for this demon that named itself or gave the name of Argon, to tell what it was ultimately going to do to this person, and commanded the demon again, the demon cried out to take them to blank, in a cuss, blankety blank hell. Then and only then did the person want to get rid of it. They thought it was a power, an energy, a force, maybe latent within them. They had no idea what it was because they had no tools of discernment, no way. They just simply opened up to spiritual, supernatural presence and thought it was a beautiful New Age translucent spiritual being that led them further and further in remote viewing out into the ether and into all kinds of experiences. Well, again, Daniel 2, verse 22, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness. He knows what lies in darkness. And light, referring to the light of God in b- the biblical context, the presence of God, this uh, effulgent, this uh, this outshining, dwells with him. Uh, he is the light of the world, and there's like an effulgence. There's a, a radiance that comes, uh, God's radiance. Now, Satan has to masquerade his dark radiance and try to make it look light. Uh, that he can, uh, you know, uh, accept or that he can get people to accept his lies in the beginning and his presence in the beginning. Well, let me say again, verse 22, chapter 2 of Daniel, this one phrase God knows what lies in darkness. So this is important when you're interceding and praying. What's going on in our church? What's going on in our family? Lord, what is Satan doing? There's no demon that could be doing anything that God doesn't know about. When Jesus at the Lord's table, the last supper, the disciples were all there. They're all eating, partying, you know, fellowshipping. And guess what? Not one of them said, hey, I think Satan just walked in the room. Hey, I feel something. Hey, I hear something. None of them. But Jesus all of a sudden looked at them. They were totally unaware. There was no alert. Nothing. They didn't sense nothing. And Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift. Now when he said you, it's the Greek plural meaning all of you disciples. He has asked to sift all of you guys to beat up and destroy all of you guys. But I prayed for all of you guys, you, uh, that your faith would not fail. Now notice this. Jesus said, Satan has asked to tear you guys up. Jesus knew that. That's why I'm going to say again, being omniscient, omnipo- you know, omnipotence, um, and omnipresent, there's nothing a demon could do, nothing. He knows what lies in darkness. Now again, if you want to go back and study Ezekiel chapter 8, Go back and study Ezekiel chapter 8 and you're going to find out that right there in the center, right in the temple, uh, well, you can find that in, in uh, Second uh, Kings twenty one twenty two. that right in the temple even, uh, satanic infiltration occurred, symbols even were put on the door. Uh, that's where the masons and others try to put symbols in church uh, brick and glass and have their, their occult symbolism placed In our dollar bill, in U.S. government, uh, you know all the different kinds of um, you know ways in which they can put a a kind of a finger into. And if it includes uh, the places of worship, now again, a church building is only a building. All it is is a building. Uh, Churches could meet in a house, a barn, a big building, a wonderful building, a schoolhouse. Doesn't make any difference. But where the church meets in in a consistent way, a lot of satanists love to go in, infiltrate, cause trouble, unleash demons, things like that, more than ever. And we will see more than ever of this. But in that process, God knows what lies, you know, in the darkness. He knows what's going on. So. It's very important for us to realize, and let me give you another verse too. This is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, uh, where it says that, um, that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Now, when it comes to the great white throne judgment, the books being opened and and people like at Bohemian Grove and Satanists that have hurt children and you know done all these secretive things, even government officials. Doesn't make any difference. Time doesn't, you know, even because they forget or put it out of their mind, doesn't change a thing. It's only the blood of Jesus, the grace of God, that erases what they've done, taking away the penalty based on the blood of Jesus and the penalty being applied to him at the cross, the substitute. Um that everything done at Bohemian Grove and all the different places, and Satanists and others need to know this, it's all been laid bare, all uncovered. Not one act, not one word, not one thing that they've done to create destruction, harm, pain, all those kind of things um, will, will be un, unfer, unrolled at the uh, uh, great white throne judgment and uh, they will be dealt with. You can be sure of that. But that's true right now, though, that nothing is hidden. From God's sight. And so that when we go to um pray about our city, uh our church, our own lives, uh, we can be praying about God, you know, deliver us from the evil one, Lord, give us a heads up. Is there anything that you know the demonic realm is attacking us with? I mean, that's part of what preemptive prayer is all about. That's part of what being <laughs> excuse me, being alert is all about. That's part of what um, you know being uh, spiritually, you know, uh, uh, you know, demonstrating that supernatural power of God the Holy Spirit, where we're told in 1 John 4 that greater is He who is in us. Now, that means, though, that knowing the Word of God also tells us that we can distinguish good from evil. That obviously is going to give us discernment. By the way, the Word of God is the language of the Holy Spirit. So the more we know, the more we can even appreciate the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so i want to ask you in the midst of this course, how well do you know the presence, power, leading, guidance, direction of the Holy Spirit? When it comes to your prayers, when it comes to warfare praying, or if you're involved in deliverance, or if you know of some kind of occult stuff going on, if you're a a policeman, a government worker, if you're somebody out there in the world that works... um, where there may be individuals that are doing rituals, maybe a soldier maybe uh maybe uh upper level um, you know military scientists and military uh, individuals you know and you see the connection uh again i i clearly see it uh the infiltration Satan has masqueraded. As an angel of light, presented the promise of powers, military superiority, governmental superiority, uh, positional superiority, financial, sexual, whatever else superiority, um, and this is what's promised from the angel of the, the angel of light, who is you know again masquerading, who has the supernatural power of physics to literally transform himself, and so do the demons. So a lot of deception going on out there. But two things. And again, when you study Ezekiel chapter 8, you're going to see again, God knew what was going on in the caves, in the dark places. So out there in the military labs in the mountains and the secondary basements and all those places, doesn't make any difference if Satanists use a ritual spot one time and another one another time another place another time. If they sneak into a church and get the keys through faking and getting in to be a a janitor or a trustee or something, and they begin to use the church building at 2 or 3 in the morning, uh, where a van drops people off and drives away, and they use it to desecrate or to unleash powers right in the sanctuary, that all goes on. But it's not hidden from God's sight. It's uncovered and laid bare. God sees into that darkness. And the emphasis here is that He can show you, the believer, so that you can respond. Let me say this right now so you'll get this, okay? The only reason He's going to show you the demonic workings, presence, curses, what they're doing, why they're doing it, whatever else, is so that you will respond. He's not showing it to you as if you're watching a movie as entertainment. God's not warning you. When Jesus gave the disciples the heads up, it was a warning. When you go to the... Revelation chapter 2 and 3 and read about the seven churches, the one church, Jesus says, I know where, you know, Satan has his throne, you know, and so forth, Uh, and and he warns them that Satan is going to put some of them in prison, that a persecution is coming that is completely initiated and guided by Satan himself, so, When we know the scriptures say counterfeit miracles, signs, wonders, doctrines of demons, uh, the most uh, uh, unprecedented ramping up of demonic manifestation in world history is upon us and will only rapidly become worse, then what do we do? Well, again, most are, you know, and I don't say most, but I just, a lot of Christians, sadly, are staying in ignorance. Uh, God bless you, truly, God bless you for taking the time to want to study some stuff and to Research, being led by the Spirit of God to know uh, what's there. Now the other side of all of this on page thirty seven, I have at the bottom this phrase getting a heads up and supranatural discernment. If ever we need a discernment, now we can read in first Corinthians chapter two and three about how the spiritual man discerns you know everything. Literally, the Christ-centered, Spirit-filled, Word-of-God-obeying believer will have tremendous discernment. First John 4 tells us, tells every believer, test the spirits to see whether they've come from God. Now, there's doctrinal tests, character tests, and that sense of spiritual uh, distinguishing. We're also told in that chapter 4 that... Uh, The one, God the Holy Spirit, the one who lives in you is Megdala, massively greater than the finite presence of Satan or demons in the world around you. The infinite Spirit of God dwells in you. The infinite Spirit of God knows what lies in darkness. The infinite Spirit of God sees and knows every ounce of activity of the demonic side. Who best to rely on in prayer? Who best to rely on when the Word of God, the the very words of the Spirit of God, tells you and me, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, Christians who don't want to have lazy Christians will get beat up. Lazy Christians who have their head in the sand will get their uh, hind end kicked again and again and again and again and they will be of no good effect for the reaching of souls, the building up of other believers, and the trampling and crushing of demonic powers and exposing that work. And I think all three of those is what brings about the great... Listen, you've heard this said, this is true spiritually. Um, A great offense, a great offense is your best defense. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at the book of Acts. We see the church on the offensive. Filled with the Spirit. Obeying the Great Commission. Going everywhere. Acts 5.42. Never stopping. Spirit filled. Leading so forth. And so, you know, though they had times of persecution or battle or whatever, as long as they stayed obedient, they never stopped. Producing fruit. uh, Advancing the kingdom. Seeing satanic Uh, Presence and and lies and possession uh, of people exposed, kicked out, crushed, and uh, Jesus glorified, and supernatural works of God uh, displayed um, on their behalf. And the Lord, you know, again, the Lord Jesus being uh, with them in an evidential, manifest sense. So let me give you uh, six things real quick here at the bottom of page 37 that deals with this whole factor when we're talking about the masquerading. Because again, outside of what I'm about to tell you, the world is hopeless. Outside about, you know, of what I'm going to tell you right now, the world has no defense. There's no machinery. There's no technology. Uh, I don't care what Ghostbusters use, little equipment they go out there to detect energy and presence and electrical you know, currents and whatever else in the air. None of that will give them any ability to discern the masquerading that goes on. The tantalizing games that demons will play with ghost hunters, uh, people who say, I've, I see dead people. You know, John Edwards and the rest of them that claim this and talk to people uh, of their relatives and all that. It's all a masquerade, it's all a lie. And uh, it all leads people further away from uh, the revelation of truth and what is true uh, spiritually. Let me give you the six things real quick here. Getting a heads up and supernatural discernment. Number one, God initiates exposure and revelation on evil. Now that's true biblically. There is no other source anywhere in the world where we have the exact accurate Unveiling revelation on the origin, nature, and agenda, and methodology of supernatural evil powers. God initiated the exposure, and God reveals accurately, strategically. That's point number two. God gives strategic insight on dark powers. Mainly, again, the Word of God unveils... And the Holy Spirit will give that insight also in our prayer time, as we're listening to the Lord, in our Holy Spirit-led discernment, uh, in our Spirit-led research, evangelism. It's during those times that God might give a word, uh, you know, uh, an insight to us concerning uh, the strategic workings of dark spirits and uh, agendas and attacks against you, your church, other people, and so forth. So God initiates the exposure in Revelation on all evil, number one. Number two, God gives strategic insight on dark powers. Now, number one, you can mark down, again, Ezekiel chapter 8, where God led the prophet. The prophet didn't even know. He didn't know. great. Of a, he's a great prophet. Ezekiel's a great prophet. But he didn't know. He was led by God to go over. God opened up a hole so he could see into the cave. And eventually saw the door and led him to go into the door and see who? The 70 elders of Israel, worshiping demons, worshiping Satan, living a lie, masquerading out front as leaders in Israel, but in the hidden secret of places, worshiping the dark side and allowing them to come through. And so God did that. God gave the exposure. Jesus gave the heads up and exposure to the disciples. Uh, Jesus gave a heads up to the local church there in Revelation when we read Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, so he will give the uh, exposure, revelation, and so forth. He'll give strategic insight. He'll give you a heads up at times and so forth and let you be uh, prepared. God does it. He's the source. You know, he sees into the darkness, and light dwells with him. Number three, God gives Christians Holy Spirit discernment. Man, the Spirit of God, the infinite Spirit of God dwells within you, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, He's given to you that you might know all the things that God gives you in the Word of God all of your life. And so if you read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you're going to read about why the Holy Spirit has been given to you. If you're going to read Romans chapter 8, you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, why, whereby you can cry out, Abba, Father, the, the Spirit of Adoption. And also the Spirit of God who communicates with your spirit that you're a child of God. And also the Spirit of God that then uh, leads and guides and helps you in prayer. Not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, of love, of God dwells in you. Freedom dwells in you. You're liberated to be in fellowship with God and to know God and to walk with God now. Now if you read Ephesians 1, you're going to read about how the Spirit of God can give you uh, literally, because you're created with capacity to have spiritual capacity. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, I pray that God will what give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know Jesus better. That the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, ultimately, so you can know what? You can know the inheritance, the incredible depth of what God has given you in Christ. Then you can know the incomparably great power of God the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. That same power dwelling in you was exerted, was exerted in raising Jesus from the dead. That's who's dwelling in you. The same power that raised the Son of God from the dead dwells in you. The spirit of truth who will be in you forever. The spirit of comfort, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of God. This is the spirit of Christ that led the prophets of old to search, research intently the word of God, the prophecies about the first coming of Christ. Now you're doing it about the second coming. And you should be experiencing as a believer in Christ the work of the Spirit of Christ guiding you in researching the Word of God and searching and learning and, and growing. Read that in, uh, again, First Peter chapter 1, verse 10. So you got the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you to give you discernment. And again, realize, uh, demon spirits are finite. God the Holy Spirit is infinite and eternal. Demon spirits know only what they know. Though they are beyond... Humankind, there's no comparison between the highest demon or Satan himself uh, and the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. Point four, God the Holy Spirit gives the gift of spiritual discernment. Now, if you read in 1 Corinthians 12, you're going to read about the gift of distinguishing spirits. It's kind of like, again, every believer has God the Holy Spirit and if you're walking in obedience and you're pray- in prayer, and even when you feel something and send something, you say, Lord, what's going on? Or what's going on in my church? Show me. Give me a heads up. Show, you know, the Spirit of God can bring you uh, and guide you into, into seeing what's really going on and uh, show you what, what Satan may be doing. And, uh, and you're to respond to that through faith and through obedience to the Lord and unleashing authority of Christ and, and do what God you know, wants you to do too. But there's also the gift of the whole, uh, of, of, of charismatic gift of, uh, of discernment, people call it. Discernment literally means the idea of distinguishing between spirits. And uh, some have emphasized well, that means a person has a heightened ability, a spiritual heightened ability, to distinguish whether something's coming from God the Holy Spirit or from demon spirits as a counterfeit or as a masquerade. That's what that gifting is for. Every local church should have numerous peoples with that gift. And let me tell you something, if you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you'll see again the, the potential misuse of spiritual gifts by fleshly, non-obedient Christians. You'll see the emphasis of proper use of all giftings and workings and so forth. And you'll also see that we can eagerly desire giftings. And say, God, and I do, I pray for this because I know what hour it is. It's the final hour, it's the last hour. First John chapter two. So I pray that God will give you and every researcher, may God give you the charismatic gifting of distinguishing between spirits, discernment of spirits, so that you can tell quickly and sometimes instantly, hey, this is of a demonic presence. Regardless of where it's at, or you can all of a sudden be at church and, and feel someone walking in. You can feel and have immediate Holy Spirit from that gifting ability to know that, that there's a demonic presence in the building on somebody or in somebody. And what do you do? You start to pray about it. You say, Lord, where is that? What's going on? I've done that numerous times in churches and places where I'll, be, I'll feel something, sense something, and I'll look right over And I'll look right at a person. I did this on a Christmas Eve service. It was weird. Uh, Just about a year ago. And I went to this Christmas Eve service, this little church, and um, it was really fine. Everything was good. Everything went on. But I got a sense of something. A scent, spiritually, I guess. And... I'm like, Lord, where's that come from? There's somebody here. And actually, I was like, there's definitely a multiple, or so, there's somebody in here that has a demonic, you know, there's something secretive going on. So I looked over and I looked at this individual, and then they looked right at me, and there was no question. I knew, and they knew that I knew. And they did everything to avoid me and book out of there and get out of there. I do that when I go to churches and visit places whatever i 'm praying Lord reveal wherever there 's any demonic spirits, because again people that are you know just coming to church they can have they can you know they can have an attachment they can be a demonized person can walk into a church building, and you better believe that infiltrators do it purposely to bring corruption to the body. they did it to Israel, it happened in the book of Acts chapter five, right in the most powerful development of the church i don't care how powerful the church is this is what happens in modern day revivals is that that satan's coming in to counterfeit things even if it's a true revival he tries to sneak in look at acts 5 massive power from god just came down in acts chapter 4 they were all filled with the holy spirit went out and preached the word of god with boldness massive prayer meeting evidential power of god Immediately, Satan tries to come in through Ananias and Sapphira and bring corruption through stealth, uh, piggybacking of their lives. And guess what happens? You know, it's by the Spirit of God that Peter recognizes that Satan has filled their hearts and lives. And uh, they die. They, there's an immediate thing that occurs. And it deals with the fact that if you read Acts 5, you're going to find this out. Study the Greek words. They conspired together to lie the word the Greek word means that they the word testing they they conspired they were they were they were testing they were doing it in a, in a conspiratorial way to lie uh, with the the goal of testing the durability of the church that's what they were doing so it wasn't no little thing they agreed together to test and Peter says, you've not lied to men, but to God. And why did you let Satan so fill? The Greek word fill right there in Acts 5 is the same word used of us, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be filled with God. The Holy. Peter was filled with God, the Holy Spirit. They got filled with Satan. And greater is he who is in us. And so Peter discerned, and maybe by a word of knowledge or some kind of insight, clearly said what he said, and they dropped to the ground dead. And uh, obviously Satan and demons don't live in dead bodies. They, they move out and, and they look for their next, uh, their next entrance. Well, anyway, let me, let me say the last two things. So pray about the gift of discernment. Know that you have Holy Spirit discernment, but pray about this gifting too. It's evidenced by, again, more and more um, immediate senses of demonic presence. But you can't just know about it and go run to somebody and say, hey, hey, I experienced, I seen a demon, I feel a demon, I, there's a demon over here. There's a you know. No, you do something. You use the authority. Know your authority. Know you're going to need to be bold. You're going to need to do. You're going to need to respond. The reason you're given insight is to warn, to respond, to use your spiritual authority, to command demons to be bound and, and kicked out and so forth. The fifth thing is we are instructed in the Word of God to be ready. That's the armor of God, to be ready. Uh, and then the First Peter chapter one, 5, verse six, 7 and 8, uh, to be alert and, C.S., yes, uh, to be a self-controlled ourselves under the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when we're undisciplined, lazy, sloppy, slouchy, and all that spiritually, uh, we're just unaware of what's going on. Even with God, even not listening to what God is telling us. That's why we have in the scriptures at the end of each of the churches in the book, of, you know, chapters one and two, uh, you know, let everyone who, ha- who has he- ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. And that's a principle. Are you listening? Do you take time in prayer to say, God? Is there anything you're saying? Anything you're showing? Anything you're speaking? I want to know. Any heads up about Satan? Any, anything going on? Anything I need to do? Show me where to unleash the authority of Christ. Any demonized people? Any covens and groups? Any spells and incantations? and Any occult-level warfare coming against us or our church and so forth? And ultimately, you're commanded by Jesus, Matthew 24. You're commanded and told in the rest of Scripture, let no one deceive you. Dark forces will try, you can be sure, but let no one deceive you. Well, listen, pray through this session because um, you need to understand in all of the systems of occultism, left-hand path, Satanism, Luciferianism, all of the dark side, including the New Age and everything else, wherever the dark spirits have initiated and are moving and are deceiving with counterfeit doctrine, with uh, counterfeit signs, wonders, miracles, supernatural uh, powers and this supernatural secrecy that's running stealth, the only way to cut into it, the only way to see and know the only way to attack it and bring a trampling to it the word of God you know, tells us by God the Holy Spirit and you can even ask the Lord to bring you insight, to give you the heads up like God did with Ezekiel and to show you everything and uh, that's what if you're a researcher into this stuff please understand something you're not there to research it just to report on it with no context of mission. You've got to be carrying out the mission of Christ, winning souls, building up other brothers and sisters in Christ, and crushing demonic presence and power. You need to do all three. What good is it if you gain all the knowledge of what Satan is doing and all the occultism out there and you make no spiritual impact yourself? I will leave you with that consideration.